You're listening to the OKC82 Podcast with Brady Trantham and Madison Morris. The best place for OKC Thunder basketball. A part of 1077 The Franchise Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of... Well, John, what can we call this one tonight? This is going to be a, uh, a joint one. It's going to be a little joint pod here between yeah. the OKC82, uh, which is normally the territory of you and the wonderful Madison Morris. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is... She is ill today. She's under the weather. She was not out for personal reasons today. She was <laughs> She was. At, she was sick. And, yeah, so... So you, you go from Madison to me, which is a, a massive step down. But we're also kind of doing this uh, as part of the OKC Dream Team Thunder After Dark pod. Um, and uh, just, just kind of joining up here, this gives you... If you're not a subscriber to the OKC82 podcast with Brady and Madison, well, here's a little preview. And uh, if you are listening on the OKC82, well, uh, look us up Ch- at patreon.com slash OKC Dream Team. Chances are our subscribers and our listeners have heard of Mr. John Hamm. They've probably overlapped <laughs> somewhat, so. So. Yes, we do have the common connection of being uh, members of the Thunder Syndicate from 107.7, the franchise. Uh, John, of course, also writes for Bleacher Report. John is one of the more respected people, not just in the Thunder media, but in NBA media media all over the place. And uh, that's a problem. <laughs> like, like, if I've cleared that bar, like, it's not a very high bar. So. Hey, hey, you, you, you do what you do. Um, you also got to meet MC Hammer tonight. So. I did. I did. You know, that is just the cherry on top of how extra this game was tonight. So much happened. You've got Russell Westbrook breaking Wilt Chamberlain's triple-double streak at 10. You've got Paul George with a 47-point triple-double, and both players hit the shot to give each respective player their triple-double in the fourth quarter. You've got the Thunder defeating the Portland Trailblazers, um, owning the tiebreaker. They're up 3-0 right now with the fourth game in Portland coming up uh, without Dennis Schroeder, without Jeremy Grant. Um, I got to admit, I think I, I met you in the media room a few hours before tip-off, and I think one of the first things I said to you was, yeah, this is probably an L for the Thunder. Like, I know Portland played last night, and they dropped a tough one to Dallas on a one-point loss, but it had all the makings for a Thunder loss. But, wow, just so much happened in this game and so much good for the Thunder. Yeah, and it, to kind of set the stage a little bit, where this was coming from is because, uh, obviously, Jeremy Grant was listed as out with an ankle injury. Uh, so that, that was still the case. And Dennis Schroeder out for personal reasons. Uh, Dennis has shared some information on InstaFace or whatever what, the his, gram. His top eight on MySpace, which I'm not a, I'm not on. I'm, yeah. very, I'm very salty about that. But, yeah, continue. Needless to say, <laughs> Dennis Schroeder uh, out tonight due to personal reasons. So uh, Thunder were a couple of guys down. And, uh, and and that was sort of the vibe. Like like Portland might have got screwed a little bit last night in Dallas mm-hmm. down the stretch. So you think, okay, you know they've they've been beaten twice by OKC. Yeah, it's a back to back, but it's in Dallas. I mean, you can fly from Dallas to OKC in about eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it, it seemed to be building that way. And then, I mean, the Thunder defensively to start the game, they were just hounding. Lillard and McCollum and just those guys just could never get comfortable to start the game. Yeah, um, like it, the Thunder started off hot, and particularly Paul George. I think he had ten points. He was perfect from the floor until about the two minute mark. He missed two shots to finish out the quarter. Uh, Paul George really set the tone. Uh, Russell Westbrook got going in the second half, but really, you know, you take away all the triple double madness from this game. The story of this game and some of the play. I think Raymond Felton said it in the locker room, or somebody said it in the locker room that this is the reason why we won this game. And it was particularly about Deontay Burton, uh, Raymond Felton, 
two guys. Um, obviously, Burton being a two-way guy, and the Thunder have a few weeks until you know some more decisions will be made from the front office concerning Deontay Burton. And you got Raymond Felton, who hasn't played in what twenty games. He hasn't played since New Year's Eve. Yeah, in each and. I think Burton had 18 points. Raymond Felton finished with, I have it right here, uh, 15 points. Um, they were just the spark plugs that the Thunder needed considering how many guys they were down tonight. And it really it really gave the Thunder so much cushion. They had a 20-point lead heading into the third quarter. And while the the defense kind of had a little bit of lapse, I thought more of that was just you know offensive woes. I think the Thunder shot 5 of 23. But because of Burton and Raymond Felton, the Thunder – didn't need to have a hot hot streaking third quarter. Yeah, and so correction because I got my Dallas games mixed up at the hey. end of the year. So it was December thirtieth. <laughs> uh, he did not play in the New Shame Year's. Shame on Eve you, game. the I, fact checkers. I know. <laughs> yeah, get your facts straight, Ham. Um, so yeah, he basically he hadn't played in 2019, and uh, you know just comes off the bench. He was just cooking. He he hit six of his first seven shots, uh, his first three uh, three point attempts, and Deontay Burton. We we are burying the lead here. Triple doubles, <laughs> beating Portland, whatever. Deontay Dante Burton had 18 points off the bench for OKC. Um, again, just just comfortable stroking the threes. He hit his first three three-point attempts. Uh, it was raining for OKC in the first half. Yeah, and he, <laughs> Matty Lee from the Oklahoma, asked him about his heat check that he had. In <laughs> he the, did uh, have one in the second quarter. Yeah, I did not. Of all the things that could have happened tonight, I did not foresee a Deontay Burton heat check. But we were here for it. Yeah, we were here for it. And uh, he said in the locker room that uh, he learned from it. He just kind of was like, yeah, I learned from it. But, <laughs> you know, it was just that kind of night. And it just speaks to the the level of development with this organization and how they, they're able to – you know, nobody thought much of Deontay Burton um, coming out of college. Obviously, he goes to Korea to play professionally. Nobody thought that much when the Thunder elevated him so quickly, quickly to a two-way player out of summer league. I mean, you and I were in summer league and got to see him up close and personal and we certainly saw the potential there but it seems like no matter the situation summer league preseason his spot duty um in the the regular season at the beginning of the year and now playing a little bit more as we closer to march 1st he always impresses yeah he does uh when he comes in he um you know he was i thought instrumental in that houston game even though he didn't score a point Mm -hmm. uh but he just he helped kind of change the tide in the third quarter and speaking of third quarters so as great as a third quarter as okc had against houston complete opposite against Portland tonight. <laughs> that let Portland get back in. I think they got uh, it to within five heading into the fourth. They did. Yeah. I mean, OKC was able to, to stiff arm them and keep them away. Uh, but yeah, they shot five of 23 as a team in the third quarter. Uh, just sort of sloppy, sort of lackadaisical. Mm. Um, you know, so if you're going to if you're gonna ding them for anything, I think you can for that third quarter. But, and even Billy Donovan, you know, mentioned it, of course. He wasn't uh, wasn't thrilled with that, but uh, you know, they were able to, to get away with that. Yeah, with, with as much fire power as Portland has like I actually never felt like the Thunder were in danger of losing this game even though they got it the the Blazers got it down to within five the reason why was because of all the firepower Portland has they only scored 33 points like I said earlier a lot of that third quarter was just the Thunder's offense it had really nothing to do with their defense Portland Portland's going to have 30 point quarters just because of all that firepower they possess and they didn't necessarily have like except for the beginning of the the quarter where they went on a 7-0 run um, from there, it was just kind of a little bit of back and forth. You know, Portland would score on two possessions. Oklahoma City would miss two and then score one. It never really got completely out of hand, and it set up for quite an exciting fourth quarter, which was when, uh, thank God, it's one of the few times I've ever, like, 
probably cheered in a press box because I had the Russell Westbrook breaking Wilt Chamberlain's triple-double record already written. He enters the <laughs> he enters the fourth quarter with five assists. He does. And it, it wasn't looking too hot for him. You know, some guys weren't finishing some shots, and of course, you know, you're down a starter and a and a big-time contributor in Schroeder. Like, maybe this would be the night where Russell doesn't get that record. And Paul was two assists away from a triple-double, so it was kind of ironic. Oh, here's a triple-double, but it wasn't Russ. But, wow, the, the assist came. I think he got three assists in about less than a minute, he and did, it really um, set the stage. He, he did came in He did come in passing, and, and yes, this might be one of those nights where late in the game uh, there was uh, searching for a few stats. Uh, but you know what? The entire arena was into it. Uh, and when Russ got that 10th assist, the entire crowd just mm. just roared. Um, they knew what was going on. So for the fans, it's just awesome. Mm. Um, and then, yes, the fact that Paul George was the one to hit the shot. And actually, Terrence Ferguson almost got the 10th assist for him on a circus Ooh, shot. Yeah, that was <laughs> – <Just, laughs> I was waiting. Like, they called timeout right after Terrence hit, um, got fouled. They called timeout. They went to a huddle, and I was just waiting for Russell just to kind of beeline straight to Terrence and say, "You missed my ten- you missed my right. triple double shot." <laughs> but yeah, you could have uh, been Samaj Kristen. He could have been, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, then Paul George hits the shot that gets Russ the uh, the triple double again. Like you say, the tenth straight triple double, uh, breaking Wilt Chamberlain's record. Then um, later in the game, Paul George gets the pass out to Russell Westbrook, who hits the three to get Paul George his triple double with a forty point triple double. So I had someone uh, someone. Uh, tweet at me, and, and this is Don, Don Capel, I believe, um, and I believe this to be accurate. I haven't fact-checked all of it, but it feels accurate. I believe it's the third time in NBA history you've had two teammates with triple doubles and one of those scoring 40 points. One of those being Jordan and Pippen, and I, I still remember that game. I think <laughs> I'm almost positive it's against the Pacers. I haven't looked this up. Um, and I believe Jason Kidd and uh, Vince Carter did it as teammates. So that would have been in New Which Jersey. Would, that makes sense. Those that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, Think about this night. Wilt Chamberlain, Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, Jason Kidd, Vince Carter. Not a bad night to be associated with those guys. Yeah, and this kind of goes into, I asked Paul in the locker room about his growth as a distributor um, with the team. Um, You know, you mentioned those names. Those are all some, you know, usual suspects when it comes to triple doubles. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, etc. Paul George, I think this was his third triple double of his career. Yeah. Yeah. It was his first um, with the Thunder since joining the team last season. I mean, just that alone speaks volumes about how the Thunder have been able to develop not just their young guys like Hamadou Diallo, Deontay Burton, but they're also developing their stars. Russell Westbrook, it's widely known how he's had to dial back some of his scoring to allow Paul George to be the best version of Paul George. I think Michael Lee said that best on, on that tweet I retweeted earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, he's He's been able to do that. And then Paul George has just all this – it seems like every game you look up, he has six, seven, eight assists. He's always been flirting with double-digit assists. Um, but it's just – you know, we know what Paul can bring you with scoring. We know what Russell can do everywhere on the floor, offense and defense. But now you've got a second great distributor on, in your offense. It's just, I mean, the sky is the limit offensively for this team, which is really odd considering going into the season, you know, you and I on the radio, uh, on our on our respective podcasts, we knew, yeah, this team is not going to be a very good shooting team. They're not going to have a lot of scoring opportunities outside of Russell and Paul and Schroeder. It's just, it's incredible the development that we've seen in season compared 
considering what we saw last year. No doubt. And yeah, again, if you're going to go, if uh, you know, for those people that didn't watch the game that went box score surfing, you know, probably you're you're going to notice the five of 19 shooting from Russell Westbrook. And yes, there were a number of poor attempts tonight, and that has been a thing throughout the season. Russ is not shooting the ball well, but again, we keep harping on this over and over. There's more to the game than just shooting at a high efficiency rate, mm. and this team would not be 37 and 18 unless Russell Westbrook was doing a few things right. So um, there are things to ding Russ on here and there. I, I do feel like that he has made strides in some areas and not overdoing it. Uh, that's been, I think, the big thing for me is just not overdoing it. He is he is actively seeking out other guys to get them involved. Um, you know, guys like Terrence Ferguson, as we've talked about. How many times have we seen he and Paul actively search him out and, um, you know, get him involved because they recognize what he can do, not just for the team, but, but for them and, and to make the game easier for them. Yeah, and really quick aside, we didn't even mention this. Uh, first half, Terrence Ferguson only played seven minutes. He got three quick fouls. Yeah. Didn't play at all in the second there quarter. There was some confusion because yeah I thought he picked up his third foul in the first quarter right I think the Thunder PA guy mentioned uh, said Terrence Ferguson out loud like at the eight minute mark with his second foul and that's was, what I heard too. yeah and yeah. Um, so I, I got out of whack a lot of things were out of whack tonight I mean the Thunder <laughs> the, the Thunder informed us that Paul George broke an NBA record tonight for um, I believe it was what was it five five or more threes, threes in consecutive games in six, in six consecutive games which tied George McLeod from the Dallas Mavericks in the mid-90s. They said it broke a record, and then it seemed like the floodgates opened on my mentions, and I'm sure it opened up for everybody else, but I was just, I was in the middle of like looking up numbers, and I just happened to look, and everybody was saying, you know, James Harden has done this, has done this, this season 12 in a row, and so I had to text uh, somebody from the team to get some clarification. It's like, yeah, uh, Elias screwed us on that one. (laughs) So, and they were referring to coming into the season. Yeah, coming in, yeah, because not only has James Harden had 12 this year, consecutive uh, five made threes, Steph Curry has seven. So Paul is now tied for third all time. I mean, that's that's it. Shame on him. Well, it's (laughs) it's the evolution of the game of basketball. And that, you know, that one season, George McLeod, uh, that's a name that a lot of people aren't going to remember or not even know of. But, um, you know, basically a journeyman swingman that in the mid-90s, Dallas decided this was before Don Nelson came in. Don Nelson was the the quirky offense guy, right? Um, Dallas just decided, you know what, we're going to chuck a bunch of threes. And George McLeod shot like eight threes a game, and everyone just it blew their minds. Why are you <laughs> shooting shots like that? You're uh, That's not the way the game's supposed to be played. Like, I was around then watching it. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a while since that's happened, and now you've got guys like PG and Curry and Harden. That's also good company to be in. Yeah, it's like that scene in Semi-Pro where Will Ferrell throws that lob to uh, Andre 3000, and people are like, what just happened? A lob? It's like, what just happened? Someone's shooting more than four threes a game? Yeah, I know. This isn't my basketball. I know. Uh, the, the game has, has changed so much over the years. And, uh, yeah, I mean, again, I'll just I'll, I'll say it. Just tonight's game, um, this is a Monday night in Oklahoma City, mid-February. We are, we are crawling our way to the All-Star break, <laughs> yes. and this building was into it. Yeah, were you in the building uh, when Russell tied Oscar Robertson's record for the triple-double two years ago against Milwaukee? Were you in, it was towards the end of the regular season. Let's see. It, the Denver one is when he broke it, when he hit the game. That's shot. When he, which one did they bring in Oscar Robertson for? That would have been the Milwaukee game, I right? think that would have was okay. the Milwaukee. No, I can't remember. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't I remember. I, I don't think I was in the building when it happened. Yeah. Uh, I, I do. Obviously, I remember the Samaj Kristen shot that, uh, you know, that – 
that will go down in history. Yes. Um, But yeah, I mean, again, just, you know, just a really cool moment. So why do we care about arbitrary stats? I mean, for tonight, (laughs) we do, because the fans realize the significance of these things. Yeah, and I'm really curious because, like, the reason why I asked was, I wonder what ovation was louder, that when Russell tied the triple-double record or when Russell got his clicks yeah. the triple level tonight because right. the arena was loud i haven't heard it this loud since that 25 point comeback against utah last mm-hmm. year in the playoffs but you know another quick thing on russell to what you were saying earlier about how he's you know he doesn't overdo it at times and there have been spot time sprinkled here and there this season where he's overdone it i mean the thing that sticks out to me is the denver game where he shot a thousand three-pointers and didn't make any of them and yeah. the Thunder lost a close game which that alone that that's impressive the Thunder lost a close game and Russell didn't he took 12 three-pointers and didn't hit one but right you know going back to Saturday night's game uh, against the Rockets you know Russell had an atrocious beginning of that fourth quarter missed his first six shots yeah and you know I think he missed his first I think he took four shots really quickly he had two at the rim and two jump shots and my timeline was just going crazy about Russell stop shooting and Russell didn't overdo it. Right. He kind of realized what was going on. He realized how poorly he was shooting. And then he allowed Paul George to hit all those big shots. A lot of those shots came at the hand of Russell Westbrook's assists. And it set up, you know, that brilliant, brilliant play by, by him splitting the defenders and getting that open layup. So it's just, you know, across the season, across a week span, a month span, or even in an individual game, you see the evolution of Russell Westbrook. And like he said tonight, he doesn't even know what he's capable of. And I've, tend to agree with them yeah um and you know another thing too is just to go back and talk about that Rockets game just a bit when OKC got down 26 Russ in the past would have started chucking threes yeah he he would have he would have tried to hit a three-point shot that would count for 26 points and tie the game that would have been his mentality but we've seen that a lot less this season so um just a number of ways where Russ has has made changes to his game that you know people I look I still see some national people out there that sort of roll their eyes at triple doubles and whatnot um Tonight, I think, kind of being an exception, and you can kind of understand uh, the significance of it. But for the most part, Russ is not, like, to the detriment of the team, gone out and tried to accumulate a lot of these things. I honestly believe, for the most part, he is going out and just sort of naturally hitting the boards, pushing the pace, setting up other guys, breaking down defenses and setting up other guys. Really important things that help you win basketball games. Yeah, and, I mean, a lot of it is just – from the simple fact of you, you think back to his MVP year where everybody just thought it's just Russell Westbrook against the world. And while a lot of people found the fun, the entertainment, and the beauty and all that, there were a lot of other people that thought that's this isn't winning basketball. He's not he's not allowing guys like Victor Oladipo to develop. Right. He's not allowing other guys to develop like Andre Robertson. Um, you know, a lot of it has to come down to his teammates personally. And Terrence Ferguson's development has helped Russell Westbrook's development. I mean, it's it's a team effort, and as great as Russell Westbrook is, he has to be able to count on his guys to hit shots. And when they are, I, I mean, the sky is the limit for Russell Westbrook and for the, the Thunder offense. It uh, really helps that they're not last in the NBA in three-point shooting anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that that was a thing for the first, I don't know, month and a half or so. Um, you thought, it's not going to be this bad. It feels like they've overcorrected, but they have sustained, like, a really good shooting percentage for so long. Mm-hmm. It feels more normal now. And, you know, think about this too, Brady. 
they're 11 and one in their last 12 games. And if it wasn't for a couple of slip ups in Boston, you know, this game would be riding a 12 game winning streak right now. Um, they are playing ever since, you know, that that back to back dud against Atlanta and the Lakers mm-hmm. that shouldn't and, have happened. And even two games before that, that loss, that home loss at Washington, where they, I think Washington scored 130, 140 points. Yeah, Washington like, got them, Minnesota got them, uh, San Antonio, they had that split with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that shot by Paul George in Philadelphia, I keep going back to that one. Like, how how significant was that shot? We kind of knew it was like, wow, that's a big deal. Paul yeah. George, game winner. But that seems to have kind of, like, keyed some things for this team. Yeah, and you can even go back a little further with Paul George individually, that, that three-pointer to beat the Brooklyn Nets, who have, right. since that game, have They're become good. one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, that's <laughs> this is not your... I don't know, like, three-year-old Brooklyn yeah, Nets, right? I remember during that game, I just I looked at the I was looking at the box score throughout the game, and I'm thinking Alan Crabb is like eight of eleven from the three-point line. This is inexcusable. Well, I, I'm wrong because yeah. Alan Crabb <laughs> and the Nets are actually kind of good this year. Hey, they're a playoff team, and even even the Wizards. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean they're a 500 team since they beat Oklahoma City. Bradley uh, Beal is good. Yeah, I mean they're. <laughs> They're better. In other words, that's still a bad loss, especially the way they lost it. Mm-hmm. But you look back down and say, you know, it, it wasn't like losing to the Bulls, which is what they did. It's not yeah. like losing to the Hawks, which is what they did. But still, um, you know, that's, that's – every, every team is, is due – They 82, lay eggs. 82 game season, every team, every good team is due for three to five just duds. It happens. And, you know, last year the whole theme of it was, okay, now they've had four or five duds, maybe they'll figure it out. And they just never did. They kept continuing to have – you know, these little bumps in the road to hinder their consistency of, of success. But, you know, a little bit more on this game, you know, Patrick Patterson gets the start tonight uh, for Jeremy Grant. Uh, 0 for 5 from the floor, 0 for 4. I think that just kind of plays more into how impressive of a victory this is because I think you and I and we, like Brett Dawson from The Athletic, Royce Young from ESPN, we were talking about this. Well, on the OKC Dream Team podcast as well, which is what this is. <laughs> I'm so used to mentioning where everybody's from, right. talking to Madison. Um, yeah, I think it plays so much into how great this win was because, like we were talking about during the media pre-meal, was um, I think we're so conditioned <laughs> when the Thunder and the when the Thunder and Blazers um, play each other. It's like yeah, here comes an L. Even after these two successful wins uh, going into tonight, yeah. you know it was still a game where you're just like, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost it because we know the history between these two franchises. But and we know OKC from last season, and, and I, I yeah. think we are holding last season against this team to an extent mm-hmm. and, and sort of carrying that over. But um, you know, you mentioned Patterson. I, I I think he really is more comfortable in a bench role. Oh yeah. Um, you know, he missed all of his shots tonight. Four three point attempts. He did get seven rebounds. This was his. But, this was his first in terms of scoring shooting this was his first bad game since about december yeah 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 and um it was very reminiscent at the start of the season when he started the first three games yeah okay so you lost those three to you know start the season but um you know and then deontay burton coming in and playing backup four and i'm telling you deontay burton is not much taller i'm six two six three ish he's not much taller than me (laughs) um but he's playing the four now yeah portland went a little bit smaller uh that helped with that um but still i just they they got they got a lot of production out of guys like burton and i that helped offset stuff uh like patterson going score i think for burton's development i think tonight was a perfect storm for him not just because of his scoring but because like like we said the thunder have a few more weeks until march 1st and it's all signs are kind of pointing to if they're going to upgrade anybody it's going to be deontay burton of course um to add 
to that ro- that open roster spot. Um, but tonight, you know, Billy in the post game, I asked him about Deontay's game, and he said, "I thought I, I thought he, pro- I kept him in there a little bit too long, but he was playing so well that I just didn't uh, want to take him out." And a, right. lot of, a lot of it had to do with Portland being small. So it kind of it added to this perfect storm of Burton needs these games, and even you, you said it in. The, um, um, about the Houston game, like he didn't do that much in terms of the box score, but he learned in that game. He had two or three bad quick fouls on James Harden and then had to turn around and defend Chris Paul in two consecutive possessions and stonewalled him. When you've got a rookie that is A, fearless, and B, he's able to learn on the fly that quickly and that versatile because of his frame, because of his aggressiveness and his athleticism. I mean, for a two-way guy to be upgraded to a full-time contract potentially, I mean, that's that's a luxury if you're yeah. if you're the Thunder. And Burton's, I, I, I forget which of the handsome cologne models it was that Portland <laughs> has. But this, this, of all games, the game Madison is sick for. I bet I know. she's so angry. <laughs> I, I know. Just, just, I mean, all of them. There's just so many handsome guys on that team. But Burton went up and just stonewalled in the air. I mean, just verticality. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I forgot if it was Lehman or if it was Myers, Leonard, or if it was Collins, or if it was Evan Turner or Rodney Hood. I, I forget which handsome dude it was, but it was just impressive. Um, so talking about you know upgrading Burton from a two-way contract to a regular contract, um, I, I, I feel like you know it's going to happen. Yeah. So here, I mean, the avenues are, and we're going to talk more about this on the full OKC Dream Team pod, but just so people know, OKC can just convert the contract. It becomes a you know a contract that runs through the end of the season. No more two-way stuff that you have to worry about. No more days you have to manage between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, the disadvantage being he's a restricted free agent at the end of the season. Do you put yourself in position to potentially lose him if some team throws a big offer at him? Uh, what you've seen other teams do is negotiate a longer-term deal and – you know, the player has leverage to say, no, I don't want to do that, like Daniel House with Houston. Yeah. Um, so it's it's give and take. It's not just as simple as just converting the contract. I think the Thunder may want to lock him up on a longer-term deal that's maybe a little team-friendly, mm-hmm. but still would benefit uh, Burton by getting him out of the you know the, the two-way deal. Yeah, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but, you know, with, with as great of a team as the Thunder have now, and you and I were talking about this before the game, they are set up for success, you know, well down the road. And this goes well beyond, you know, Paul George re-signing with Oklahoma City for the next few years of his prime. Russell Westbrook, of course, locked in. Stephen Adams locked in. They've got a nice young core. I mean, you think about Terrence Ferguson's a second-year guy. He's on a cheap deal. Think about Deontay Burton, who had a great game tonight. Hamadou Diallo, who didn't even play. He didn't play that much, which was a tad surprising to me. But Yeah, he checked in in the first quarter, like during one of the substitution shifts. and With it, all the guys out and Terrence having all the fouls in the first half, it was a little surprising he didn't play that much. I thought, well, he's going to be the backup four. I mean, that because, you know, Devis Nader had come in. And, you know, of course, Billy was, uh, you know, still kind of shuffling um, or, or staggering Russ and PG. Um, and so, yeah, I thought, oh, okay, well, Diallo's going to be the backup four tonight. But no, only only a minute. And maybe that had more to do with when Burton got in. Mm-hmm. Like, he showed what he was doing out there, and, and Billy just stuck with him. Yeah, um, I, I think with Hami, you know, and Billy talked about this after the game, after some game a few weeks ago where – um, the biggest difference between now and earlier on in the year when Hami was having a lot more success is just guys have scouted him. So I, I think you can kind of easily say, yeah, he's just kind of hit the rookie wall that every rookie is is kind of cursed to hit at some mm-hmm. point in their career, no matter if they're the number one overall pick or if they're a second-round guy like Hami. Um, but, you know, even with that, the Thunder love him. 
the Thunder are excited about his potential, and with him, Burton, Terrence Ferguson, I mean, I, I don't even I don't even know what you can project, and I don't want to project, but if I'm if I'm Billy Donovan, if I'm the, the Thunder front office, I am excited with the young assets that I have. Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, it's it's unusual to kind of have this embarrassment of riches at that position, yeah. uh, considering uh, you know the past few years. And I'll say this too: you mentioned Diallo, other teams scouting him. Same thing could happen with Burton. The more the more he gets exposed, you know, more teams get a get a look at him and see what he's capable of doing. You're going to see teams start to to figure out what they can do to keep him from being quite this effective. Sometimes it's nice to have a surprise to spring on teams. Yeah, the uh, Thunder 37-19, and 19, uh, they're a game and a half bet behind the Denver Nuggets, who of course have the tiebreaker so far. Uh, there's still two games left. Uh, one in Oklahoma City, one in Denver uh, moving forward. Uh, a week and a half ago, I would have said, I don't think the Thunder are ever going to catch Denver. Um, I think that it's a bad regular season matchup. Postseason is a different story, and if we get there, then we'll talk about that. Um, we do talk about that on the Thunder Basketball Insider Show on Saturday mornings. Yes, we do. From 10 to noon, so tune into that on 107.7 The Franchise. But, you know, a game and a half back with two games against them with the way that they're playing and, you know, everybody, every team, you hear it every from every player, from every team, everybody plays a little bit differently after the All-Star break. I mean, can the Thunder get the two spot? I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so weird to say that considering, and we keep going back to it, last year and the offseason and what, our conversations both you know publicly and in private about this team it's just so odd to ask that question so <clears throat> if you go to tankathon.com which <laughs> which tracks teams that are tanking across the league you know who you are um, <laughs> they also have a remaining stre- uh, schedule strength mm-hmm. and OKC's is deemed the roughest but Denver's is the third hardest. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how we've, much of an advantage there you is. You know there. we've been hearing that the Thunder schedule is the toughest for about almost two months. And the Thunder have still continued to win. Now, they had that four-loss and five-game stretch. Which, they did. Which is clearly, I mean, even in that 0-4 start, Russell didn't play in two, in the, two of those games. And they had a uh, rotational um, change with Jeremy starting. You know, that was understandable. That four-loss and five-game stretch is the worst that they've looked. But before and after that, the Thunder have had the toughest schedule since, but they continue to win. So, yeah. I, like, I think it's safe to assume that, no, this is what this team is. They are not a product, product of a soft schedule. And even then... You know, there's no such thing as a bad win in the NBA. Every game is tough. Yeah, and I mean, granted, they they still have at Milwaukee. They still have to play Golden State, Toronto uh, twice on a Toronto twice on a back to back. Right. Well, the Nick Collison night, most importantly. <laughs> uh, that you know, again, someone's going to be there. I can't remember. Yeah, uh, the, the Denver games, like you mentioned, but. I think for this team, I think that'll be a good thing. I, I don't think that's something like, oh, my gosh, they're going to be underdogs in those games. Maybe it's going to benefit them to be underdogs like that or just to, to have these tougher opponents the rest of the way. Uh, I mean, this was a 30-minute pod. I mean, we did. I did say it was a very extra podcast. I hope we didn't forget something. But, I mean, we've got Russell's triple-double. we got Paul's triple-double. I, I guess we can talk about a little bit before we get out of here. Um just the MVP, the MVP-ness of Paul George and Damian Lillard said Paul George should. Uh, I, I, I'd have to find the exact quote, but basically was campaigning on behalf of Paul George tonight. Yeah, and you know, as we get closer and closer to the end of the regular season, I think there's going to be you know whether it's from Roy, Spread, or myself, whoever. As we get closer to the um, postseason, I think we're going to see a lot of questions thrown Russell Westbrook's way and how like he's going to be campaigning for Paul George for MVP. Him as being a former MVP himself, 
like how does it compare? And I, mean, I hope I don't ask that question because Russell probably just like <laughs> stare at me and give me the evil eye. But yeah, you know, when it first started happening, and uh, going back to that Brooklyn game, when you started hearing like the whispers on Twitter of like, hey, Paul George is playing like an MVP. You know, at first I thought, yeah, it's cute, but Paul is a streaky guy. This is, he's been that his entire career. He'll have two weeks where he looks amazing, and then he'll have a week where he's eh. And yeah. even last year, he went into the All-Star break shooting lights out, and then after that three-point contest was a different player from the from the perimeter. Um, but with the way that he's scoring so effortlessly, I mean, tonight I was obviously tracking Westbrook's triple-doubleness, and I look over at the box score, I'm like, oh, Paul has 40. I know. It's so it's Kevin Durant-esque. And I, 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 I hate to say Kevin Durant on – both these podcasts, as I know everybody doesn't like them, but um, I mean, guys, Kevin Durant was just an effortless scorer. Yeah. He could drop 30, and you're just like, oh, yeah, that's what he does. Paul George is getting into that conversation where he's like, where it's like, oh, yeah, he had 35. That's what he does. And if we're talking MVP candidates, uh, obviously Giannis might still be at the top of the discussion. Okay. Milwaukee mm-hmm. has been phenomenal this season and Giannis along with it. Um, one guy I am taking out of consideration that I had there was Kawhi Leonard. If Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard has missed 14 games this season, and he's probably going to miss more, he's going to miss more. Toronto's 11 and three without him. Mm-hmm. 11 and three, and, and they, they got significantly better. They were already good. I mean, apparently Mark Saul had a really good game tonight yeah. in the fourth quarter. Um, everybody knows the greatness of Pascal Siakam. <laughs> right. You know, they're, they, they, they're getting better. Yeah. So, I mean, for now, I am removing Kawhi Leonard because I think availability is a huge thing when you start talking about MVP-ness. That's why LeBron will be in it. That's why LeBron's going to drop out. Uh, that might even cost LeBron some first-team All-NBA. Oh, I mean, think about this. You could have, like, Durant and George as your first-team All-NBA forwards and LeBron kicked a second team. I'd hate to be in that scrum the next day after he's not first-team yeah. All-NBA. Um, so, but, I mean, Giannis, Paul George, I think I think you could put Paul George there. Yes, James Harden is doing a tremendous scoring streak and sort of dragging the Houston Rockets and, and their scraps and bits that Daryl Morey gives them to play with. I wonder how heavy that game Saturday night will loom as you get for like if if Giannis James and Paul continue their if they continue their path. Mm-hmm. I wonder how heavy that game will loom because, I mean, I saw that stat on Sports Center. I believe um, it was the first time that James Harden scored forty points and somebody outscored him, Paul George being yeah and lost. Right. You know, and it happened in such dramatic fashion with that 26-point comeback. I wonder how much that's going to matter at, when people think back on the regular season and go, well, you remember that that awesome game in Houston? Paul George out, out-dueled them. Yeah. And you add to the fact that Paul George could also win Defensive Player of the Year. Right. You know, I think that, that gets that's the one thing that gets forgotten the most, I think, is, yeah, he's an MVP candidate, but he's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Very well could. For, um, uh, the Thunder's first Defensive Player of the Year player yeah. in franchise history? Yeah, no, potentially. That, that, that would be the case. Uh, I mean, I think Rudy Gobert has also got a tremendous case uh, for that award, too. But hello. Classic um, Chesapeake Energy Arena. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I think that's I think that's telling us to, to quit talking about the game yeah. pretty soon. Yeah, um, you want to go ahead and sign off first? Let's sign off. Yeah. So, uh, again, this has been a little joint podcast between the OKC82, which is a product of 107.7, the franchise, uh, where you can find me and Brady uh, every, well, 
most Saturdays. Sometimes OU basketball <laughs> gets in the way. That's what happens when they uh, when you got a local team that sucks. Yeah, get eleven a.m. tip-offs. So uh, <laughs> normally OKC eighty-two is Brady and Madison Morris, who is who is not here tonight. Get well soon, Madison. Uh, and uh, the OKC Dream Team Thunder After Dark. Uh, we will again kind of put this out. Consider this uh, a little sample of either one, just in case you're not subscribed to both. Exactly, and it's really easy to find, uh, guys. If you for whatever reason, if you don't listen to the Dream Team podcast, I mean, I cover this team just like they do, but I think it's a little silly to just ignore everybody else's opinions. And um, really, I'll, Madison and I will be sitting here recording the podcast, and then I'll get in the car and listen to the Dream Team uh, or the After Dark podcast on the way home, and I just think, okay, I talked about that, I talked about that, I talked about that. Good. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, what, $6 for the whole experience? It's yeah. cheap. It, it's a drop in the pond. It's a drop in the pond, so it's, it's worth it. Look, it's a, it's a cup of coffee a month. That's what we've been saying since the beginning, especially Starbucks keeps shacking up their prices. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, 4 bucks a month gets you the OKC Dream Team pod. 6 bucks a month gets you also Thunder After Dark, which is a post-game podcast after every game. Uh, the Dream Team is twice a week where you have me, you have Brett Dawson from The Athletic, Andrew Schlecht from Down to Dunk, and a special guest, Royce Young of ESPN. We like it. It's the Avengers or the Justice League, depending on <laughs> depending on your fandom. Yes. But, uh, yeah, John, thank you so much for having me on the um, OKC Dream Team. Well, it's thanks a, for having me on OKC82. Madison gets sick more often. It's a, <laughs> it's a dream come true. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, Madison, thoughts and prayers for you. Sorry you missed your, uh, your favorite team, Portland. Um, but yeah, the Thunder defeat the Trailblazers 120 to 111. They move to uh, 37 and 19, 38 and 19. I can't. I had it right here. 37 and 19. They're nine and one in their last 10 games. Four four game winning streak. That's um, 18 games over 500. That's not bad. Wow. Sounds like a good team. Um, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the OKC uh, 82 podcast. Uh, thank you so much. Um, tune in, 107.7 Franchise, download the app, download everything, subscribe to everybody. Uh, but for Mr. John Ham, we're going to go home. It's late. Uh, thank you guys so much, and y'all have a great night. <laughs>